I've uh, received a number of uh, inquiries um, relative to a, a note that I wrote to uh, Donald on Monday. Um, our friendship goes back many years, uh, and I think anybody that's spent more than five minutes with me knows I'm not a political person. Uh, my comments are not politically motivated. I have a friendship and a loyalty to Donald. A couple weeks ago, we had uh, Secretary of State Kerry in our locker room. It's another friend of mine. Can't imagine two people with more different political views than those two. Uh, but to me, friendship and loyalty is just about that. It's not about political or religious views. I write hundreds of letters and notes every month. Doesn't mean I agree with every single thing that every person thinks about politics, religion, or other subjects. But I have multiple friendships that are important to me. And that's what that was about. So it's not about politics, it's about football. We got a huge game this week against a great football team, a great organization. And that's where it all is going forward on Seattle. All right. Coach, were you uh, happy or annoyed that Trump read the letter? Seattle. Well, your team's always been good at keeping outside distractions on the outside. Given the nature of this presidential race, Seattle. did you find it, Seattle. Did you find it uh, helpful to talk players about this? Did any of your players talk to you about this? Seattle. Hello everyone, welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie III, and today I'm joined once again by the Struggle Session sports correspondent, Rob Rousseau. Thank Hello. you very much. Thank you very much for having me. I'm the, the sports and uh, Canadian affairs correspondent. Happy there to there be was here. some controversy, I have to say, after the last episode with Luke Savage, he contacted us and said, how dare you, sons <laughs> of bitches, give Rob my spot. He's not even a real Canadian. He's a Quebecer. Yeah. He doesn't count. Like, uh, it, he used a lot of, you know, re, re, a lot, a lot of darns, and slurs. A lot of hex. And, yeah. <laughs> um, so he was, he was not happy with it. But sports Fair. correspondent, that's not controversial, I don't think, unless... Aubrey hears that and get mad, gets mad because he is our per wrestling correspondent. So. Yeah, no, I don't. I think that's. I don't think that's controversial. We should be okay. okay. All right. Um, so today, just like we did last year, this is a reunion episode. Yeah. Last year we did an episode about the Super Bowl and wanted to do another one about the episode because it's such a big game. It's so important to both. America and the world really that says so much. Like everybody's just super into the Super Bowl. Like it's just, yeah, it's just a really, really huge, huge deal. And I just wanted to ask you, Rob. Up, uh, so what did you think of the game? Like really break it down for yeah. me. Like I, I want to talk about all four um, quarters. You know, right, yeah. I want to talk about the special teams, the offense, the defense, the other teams that are involved. Yep. The, the Patriots and the Rams. Um, just, of course. You know, just totally for the next maybe 30 to 45 minutes, just break <laughs> down like every play, maneuver, motion, audible that happened throughout the game. Right. Well, I mean, the, my main takeaway was that uh, Rams quarterback, I want to say uh, Mike – Johnson, I believe, is his name. Yes, uh, that's right. Seemed to have a little bit of trouble um, passing the football. Um, not so much in the in the first quarter, especially. Uh, tried to assert themselves uh, in a similar fashion as to how they were also playing throughout the season, with little success. I think probably that had to do with. With the Patriots and their uh, defensive scheme, the the Texas Oklahoma scheme, yes, that they were I, running. I, I, yeah, I feel like what you're saying is the Patriot, the Rams' offense was thwarted by the Patriots' defense, and they weren't really expecting that uh, going into the game. Yeah, that was my primary takeaway. And what the, the thing is, like you know, it's hindsight is twenty twenty. If I were the Rams. 
what I would have done is probably tried to score a few more touchdowns, get a few more points on the board, uh, ideally more than the other team, uh, the Patriots. Then you want to kind of keep that up throughout the four quarters of the game, ultimately. And then when the game was over, if they had more points, then that would have been probably a better outcome for them, I'd say. Hmm, I see, I see, I see. Um, Rob, I have to admit something to you. Um, <laughs> even, even though I planned to do this bowl episode, I actually did not watch a single minute of <laughs> this damn game. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I tuned in with about five minutes to go, and I thought to myself, oh boy, am I ever glad I did not spend the last four hours, like, not only watching this, whatever whatever this was, but like, you know, doing all the gorging and the 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 that stuff as well that's yeah, bad for me it's it you know because it's weird now i felt very you know disconnected i am i'm actually a patriots fan but you know and as much as i do support boycotting the nfl because of their racist treatment of colin kaepernick i can't really say that's the reason why i didn't watch it it just didn't feel like something like I had to do this year, and I was not alone in that. This is the lowest-rated Super Bowl in the past 10 years, which is really, really interesting. Like It just feels like there's this sort of malaise going over the NFL. And we talked about this last year on on the show about how – you know, when you look at the con- things with the con- the concussion things, when you look at the Kaepernick protests and how they treated him, when you look at how both the left and the right were mad about how the Kaepernick uh, yeah. kneeling situation was treated, like Chuds were just as mad too. They thought the NFL had betrayed them for letting those damn <laughs> Negroes act up, right? Like, yeah, the- it's a funny situation <laughs> that they're in, isn't it? It's like the 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 left. Left thinks it's like you know a bunch of racist oligarchs, uh, and which uh, it is just yeah of course just like <laughs> making billions of dollars by these players like sacrificing years off their lives, and then the right sees it as like the the national communist league, uh, just a disrespect for just a cop hating, troop disrespecting uh, Neil fest that. Uh, yeah, so they just they kind of tried to walk that line, and I think from my understanding too, I didn't again, I didn't really watch the game either, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they were trying to do a lot of nods towards like inclus- inclusivity and you know diversity and racial justice and stuff, and kind of like talking about these things, but it's like no one takes them seriously when they talk when they talk about things like this because of how they've treated Kaepernick and how they've laid that they they managed that whole debacle, and. um you know, it just appeals to nobody. It's just, um, yeah, yeah. Had, like it's, it's not, so not funny really working out for them. Yeah, because they had a male uh, cheerleader this year in the Super Bowl for the first time. Apparently, the, a lot of teams have been bringing in male cheerleaders, you know, because, uh, you know, so they can have more, you know, highly qualified athletes and dancers also get paid nothing (laughs) um, to be on the sidelines of the game. Like now men and now they can exploit both men and uh, women in this regard. Yeah. uh, It's neoliberalism, baby. Yeah. But the, but like I have a couple of Chud coworkers and they were like, pissed off about it like they were (laughs) oh my god the conversation was just so bizarre like one of them initially thought that what they were doing was having a transgender cheerleader and Uh like of course because they're fucking stupid transphobes they were oh so when oh you mean male cheerleader you mean a woman dressed as a man like and it was explained to him by the other kid like no it's actually just a guy dressed like a like you know dress you know in nominally male clothes but he's part of the cheer squad like you see on the sidelines of every college team basically and i was like oh and then he was okay with it i guess or something (laughs) like that i don't know but and i don't think they like but like like it's another thing where it's like right it raises the hackles of the right and i don't think it really like gets people on the left excited because i never heard any nobody i never saw any like woke tweets about this about like now finally men have a place in the nfl like i didn't see anything like that yeah it's i mean as you pointed out i mean it's just other people that are being exploited and um yeah the center cannot hold it's i think it's true in politics and it's the nfl's kind of tried to walk that line of being woke but still kind of appealing to that like you know, red state mentality. And they've just been, as a result, they've just been appealing to nobody. 
And it's cause it's probably just because they've gotten too big. It's just too. It just got too damn big. It, it's like more, it's become more. It became at least more than a sport. It became like yeah. this. Also, it was also music and movies premiere their premiere all their ads during the show and all this stuff is like it's just too huge. You can't please you know billions of people with your one game without pissing off you know, another billion basically. Yeah. And it's weird. Like another thing that always, I don't know if they're still, if they still did this stuff, cause I, just, I didn't really watch the beginning of the game, but the, the really like overt, uh, troop worship propaganda shit as well. That always really rubbed me the wrong way as well. Um, where it's like, why are there like F 35s or whatever flying over the Super Bowl? Why are we doing this crazy? It's this wrapping it up with this kind of idea of like patriotism and nationalism. Like, what does this have to do with anything? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not normal if you go to like a swore in another country that uh, not all. Uh, there's some exceptions, but like you don't necessarily have like the military do a mini parade before like a big no. sporting event. Uh, like that's the kind of thing that if we saw that in North Korea, it's like, look at those brainwashed North Koreans worshiping the military, this state sponsored stuff. And, but then like it happens right in front of us in like the biggest, supposedly the biggest event of the year on TV and in sports. And it's like, oh yeah, that's just a normal thing. Bring yeah. out the troops and uh, have them. Parade around. <laughs> yeah, it's just super creepy. This is another thing we have to possibly thank Trump for because when it came out during the Obama administration that gas, the military was actually paying the NFL to do these advertisements instead of just yeah. the NFL giving them for free, a lot of liberals were upset about that. They thought it was a bad thing that the NFL wasn't giving away, you know, showing their patriotic spirit for free. They thought it was a bad thing that all this military propaganda was actually paid for. I think now if you tried to have that conversation when you realize that Donald Trump is in charge in the military and Donald Trump loves this shit. Oh, yeah. um, I think a lot of liberals are now going to be on the other side of that conversation, thankfully. Yeah, well, it's like all the liberals that love the FBI and the CIA now. It's just like, yeah, get get that orange man away from the military propaganda. That's our stuff now. <laughs> well, not anymore. And, and you know, I I would be remiss if I didn't address you know the fact that yes, the Patriots won. Um, I am a Patriots fan, and on the last uh, time we talked about this, Patriots lost that time, and there are a lot of people gloating and posting and talking a bunch of smack about the Patriots and how they're washed up and yada, yada, yada. But as, as I said on the show, the Patriots are Philip K. Dick's black iron prison. They are the empire that never ended, that never ends. Um, you cannot escape them. They will dominate the conversation around football for the rest of eternity. They won again. And you just have to deal with it. And I, I, I'm sorry, I tried to warn you people. I told you it was foolish to try to turn this into a morality play because morality is not involved here. It's only about greatness. Tom Brady is great. I don't care if he's best friends with Donald Trump. God damn it, he's the greatest football player <laughs> that ever laced him up. Okay? Yeah. And you just have to accept it and deal with it. Like well, really, this is it's not just... Really, isn't it just toxic masculinity? Like they see Brady <laughs> showing affection to his kids, yes, and it's just they use these disgusting libs. Disgusting, use that. pathetic. Yeah, the, yeah, just it's terrible. It's terrible. Like, no, but I don't. I don't remember if we talked about this last year, but I, I know I never really got on board the like super like I hate the Patriots bandwagon because just because I remember. Just from growing up and the Patriots always being really terrible. Yeah, they were awful. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of watching them go from this this kind of ba perpetual basement dwelling team to this like unassailable, uh, you know, empire, uh, this uh, dynasty. It's kind of like if you're a fan, like I have been of many years of like mediocre to bad sports teams, <laughs> it kind of gives you hope that maybe one day you might be able to, to rise above that. Yeah, it, it is nice to see them like just – come out and dominate and it seemed and they did it in a way that didn't that it never made it, it, it they weren't as annoying as like the cowboys ever to me 
for some reason. I don't know why. They, you never got, they never got called because they were always heels. Kind of, I think that might be it. I, I think I kind of like the Patriots a lot because they're always the heels and people are always trying to cheer on their downfall. So it's a little bit easier. It would be really annoying where if everyone around was a Patriots fan, but everybody around seems to be a Patriots hater, except in Northern Virginia. For some reason, there are a lot. I see a lot of Patriots hats, and I just want to say all of. I want to say all these people are like sellouts, but if they weren't wearing Patriots hats, they'd be wearing Redskins hats. So it's yeah, not- yeah, and the, that's probably a that's probably a better situation. But you're right; it's not like they're like a Lakers or a, a, a Yankees where they've got all these kind of. Uh, Fans all over the place that uh, that just like them because of what they've they've accomplished. It is still more of a regional thing, and it seems like everyone outside of that kind of corridor still just kind of despises them. Yeah, and that's how it should be. That's how it should be. You should despise the Patriots, and the Patriots should uh, keep winning and proving you wrong. <laughs> all right, yeah. so I think that's all we have to say about um, the big game itself because apparently it wasn't it didn't seem that interesting i just watched like the so i read some of the play by play nothing really happened it was probably very very boring for boring for anyone sitting there watching it for three well, it's, hours it's kind of interesting in the way it was just a it was like a historical failure by the rams to only <laughs> score three points and my again i don't i didn't watch one football game this year but my understanding of the rams was that they had this really potent offense that was really like rewriting the rules of what you could do in the offensive part of the football game. And then they just get to this point where like however many millions of people are watching and just completely uh, shit the bed. I think that's kind of like a funny storyline, but I'm, I didn't, I don't think I need to watch a, a four hour like spectacle in order to, to internalize that kind of, that kind of ending. I can you know, just, it, I can, I can kind of just chuckle at it after tuning in in the last couple of minutes. You know, it, I did watch Belichick's interview after the game and, and sports coverage is just, it's much more interesting than the sports actually. Cause it's just so funny. Um, but they asked him like, so how, how did you do it? How did you shut down the Rams? And he was just like, well, um, we double teamed the guy. <laughs> we double teamed <laughs> the guy that got all the yards to score all the points. And we, didn't wait till third down to do it that was basically his strategy it's like you know that guy who's like running up and down the field all the other teams we're gonna try to stop him yeah (laughs) and that's to try to make sure he does that not as much this time yeah that's That's the brilliant that's that's the brilliant strategy the best coach ever (laughs) came up with so but i I did watch some of like the coverage like espn and stuff i found myself in places where it was playing this week where you just have I didn't realize there were so many networks now. Like, there's like five networks where you can watch 24 hour, like, NFL coverage leading up to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, what does that do to your brain? Because every yeah. so, because I'm on Twitter, but I'm not in sports Twitter. But I, every so often, like some really awful posts from like a sports guy will come, it bubbles up, will, will, will bubble, bubble up, or filter down uh, to me, and I'll be like, "That is fucking sports brain. That is the type of thing you talk about when all you do is watch sports all day, yeah. and you think that like the, these sports are instead of just you know." entertainment and uh, adults playing a children's game um, for your entertainment and excitement. And it is entertaining and exciting. But when you assign like moral and ethical value to it, like I hear a lot of stuff about like, you see stuff about how the players are really like brave (laughs) for doing certain things, like really gutting out this performance. This is, you know, really courageous of him to like go out on the field and like shit like that. Just really bizarre morality assigned to just the game itself well people are always kind of looking for theme like themes like that that can kind of justify their own their own worldview it's just yeah it's not for me like i i can't um i've just never been a football guy um and that's the thing i do like sports and i I want i'm more of a i'm an nba guy or a toronto raptors guy like that's really the the only sports i watch are toronto raptors games i watch like three or four games a week but at the same time like i try to limit the amount that i'm like tweeting about it and talking about it and going crazy about it just because you then you get sucked into that that sports twitter and the um you, it you know melts your brain in the, in that kind of way yeah the the tweet the recent tweet i saw 
uh, about this was this guy, I guess he's a sports writer called Dave Aram. He said, great job by Nick Foles and Doug Pederson uh, consoling Alshon Jeffrey, who is usually very good with catching passes. That's got to be tough for Jeffrey because he dropped the ball and it cost him the game. So people were saying like how heroic it was that these guys came over and said it's okay. It's not entirely your fault. And like people started doing the toxic masculinity discourse is like, this is how men should be, you know, <laughs> being nice to each other after losing a game that really doesn't cost them um, all that much to lose. Like, it's just, you get, oh, you get sports brain. You get where you think that everything in sports is just this epic level conflict instead of just like two people like a bunch of friends hanging out making millions of dollars which they should make a million dollars because it make it people certainly pay billions of dollars to watch this shit yeah 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 uh, the owners the owners are making billions so yeah the owners are making definitely the players should make as much as possible especially considering in football the way that these guys lives are then affected in the years after they retire oh used Uh, up entirely yeah yeah it's it's but I it just the way I guess you ha- kind of have to because when what you are watching is two people uh, is a you know you know a hundred something um, young men basically giving themselves you know brain damage for your entertainment. I guess it does make a little sense to heighten the uh the um the tension around it and talk about it in these epic you know Homerian ter- Homeric terms. I guess yeah, you I know guess what? it does kind of make sense now. Yeah, I get it. I mean, you watch sports for long enough, and you can kind of pick up on these kind of miniature morality plays that that play out every every game and things like that and that's part of you know sports is stories right it's like it's like a spontaneous story that happens and people latch onto it in the same way that they latch onto other stories but i think you're right also that people get way too involved in these kind of conversations and it it you know, it can get a little over the top and, and silly at the same time. Okay, well speaking of stories that can get a little over the top and silly Let's talk about the commercials. Uh, yeah. As I said before, this is the real stuff. The the worst people in the world are the people who still say I only watch <laughs> Super Bowl for the commercials. It's like I'm sorry, you're first against the wall after the revolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are awful. You are an awful person. These commercials are like brain. Like I feel it's like brain poison. It's brain poison. It's like <laughs> it does to our brains what the actual playing football does to the <laughs> yeah. players. They're so bad, so bad for us. Uh, we can just go through uh, this list we have of the bad commercials, starting with um, the Handmaid's Tale. Oh <sighs> yeah, yeah. It was kind of a callback to like the Reagan era, kind of drawing the connection with the whole morning in America thing. Yeah. Drawing the connection between the sort of, uh, you know, the religious right and the, the moral majority or whatever, drawing the connection to, to uh, Gilead. Or, Do you or, think maybe stuff. there's some, you know, eerie similarities between this show and the world we live in today? Do you think that's possible? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Oh, God. It's like, so that's possible. Is, isn't, if this came out the first season, it wouldn't be you know as bad but the re i talked about this on the antifada podcast is like they're three seasons in right so and the so far the only resistance they've shown this is supposed to be a resistance show and the only resistance they have is like elizabeth moss like staring into the camera and looking like sullen like that's (laughs) like it's not a show about revolution it's not the first purge for example where like immediately like like people are fighting uh back and that's the focus no it's a soap opera right it's a soap opera so you go through you show the good side and the bad side of all the people involved even you know the uh sexist uh commanders who are controlling all this thing you have to you can't just have him be evil you have to show he has a good side too even though he rapes the main character on a regular basis like because it's a soap opera so this you know so them putting out this commercial where they're going they're trying to reset again like this is like this is you know really tied to what's happening now and this is really important that you watch this show but it but like when you watch the show all it is is going to be like 
you know, more of the same shit that they've done every season to keep it going. The same predictable twists and turns, the same multifaceted characters where sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, sometimes they switch. You don't really know which side they're on. Like, it's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. It's not political resistance. So, like, just... Yeah, and like you said, it's it's kind of reactionary to try and humanize these the the oppressors in this show. Uh, it's like it's not it's not really an act of resistance to think that oh you know these people that are that are making these decisions that are oppressing people that are that are enslaving people. Well, you know they're conflicted and you know deep down they have these other thoughts, but like that's not really helpful. Uh, not we as demonize. We should not be humanizing these people. We should be yeah. demonizing them as much as possible. It's perfectly helpful if you're doing a soap opera and telling a story. It's not helpful when you do that and you call that resistance, right? Like you have to pick which one you want to be. If you're just going to be a soap opera, then it's okay to have pieces of shit who you know have good size, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when you try to elevate your show as this commercial does to a literal act of political resistance, it's not good. Um, it basically puts people in a state of you know liberal malaise where you where and it's a really passive like it's all the resistance in the show is really passive and it tells people that resistance is passive and watching this show passively is resistance and um it fucking sucks just say the show is good just just stick with that yeah. like stop trying to hit yeah, us well, over the head with the political reference reference just say it's like a really gripping and good drama like that's it yeah, well, it's part of this whole trend, this modern trend of like uh, this kind of suggestion that the media we consume is somehow like revolutionary in a way. And you, and you can kind of like, that's your political beliefs is you can, you can empower people by, by watching uh, certain shows or certain movies. Like that's the kind of shtick they're kind of doing with, with the, you know, Miss Marvel as well. Yeah. Uh, they're doing the thing, you know, let's, it's, it's about empowerment and, and feminism. And you go to see this, this multi-million dollar, uh, Marvel movie that's putting more of trillions of dollars in uh, Disney's coffers. And this is shows you, and this is like demonstrates to everyone how, you know, about equality you are and how, uh, and how woke you are. And, uh, this is like, Overall, I think you can like. I don't think diversity in films or in TV shows or is a bad thing. I think it is good, and representation does matter. But the suggestion that this is like how you in in 2019 show that you're that you're a liberal person or a, a progressive person uh, is by consuming X media instead of Y media. I think ultimately this is kind of like a damaging trend that uh, is kind of turning me off from a lot of these big budget properties like yeah. ms marvel was i mentioned that because that was another super bowl commercial that came out and that's been kind of a, an example of that yeah i do want to say like on the anthony father show i did give you know the i did give the handmaid's tale producers and promoters credit because they really didn't lean as heavily on the you have to watch this show in order to be uh, in order to be woke thing, but I guess they're kind of realizing that that's not bringing the ratings, and they see all these like shitty Marvel films doing it, so they say, you know, why not? Yeah. All right. Next, um, garbage commercial for a soap opera. Well, actually, you know what? This commercial isn't bad, but the soap opera is really bad. Um, the Bud Light Game of Thrones <laughs> commercial. Yeah. Which is just bizarre. It's entertaining, but. It's bizarre because what the fuck do these two things have to do with one another? Yeah, really, it's like what what people that drink Bud Light are going to be really excited about Game of Thrones, and what like, <laughs> right. what person that really loves Game of Thrones is going to be like, oh, this Bud Light crossover is so cool. Like, I, I guess the point is just you know to create buzz. I have to assume that HBO. I don't know, like who would pay for this? Like this, this I don't think this does anything for Bud Light. I think this does everything for HBO. But I don't know. I don't see. I don't know. Fuck. Well, it. to me, there also there's like there's no greater sign of like how how the depths to which Game of Thrones has kind of plummeted. That oh like, yeah. From the first season to now, it's just you know Hawk and Bud Light at Super Bowl <laughs> halftime, and what started. And because I really enjoyed the first couple of seasons, and it's just it's really a sign of how far off the rails it's gone. And yeah, I don't I don't hate it or anything. I'll probably watch this final season, but uh, it's gone so far away from what 
drew me to the show in the first place, the kind of slow pace and the the political intrigue and the conspiracies and and things like that. That made it different from other fantasy. Uh, the fact that there weren't big dragons flying around and and you know now that's and all zombies that and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the every single episode. It's it's stuff like that. And um, it, maybe it could have been cool if they had they had stuck with the same uh, slower pace as the first couple of years and still maybe taken those big fantastical elements and maybe had one per season. But it seems like they're in just in such a hurry to like get to the finish line and finish doing the show that they've condensed so much story into these last two seasons and it's just been like way too much, I find. And yeah, so now they're instead of like the cool uh you know, thing that everyone's that everyone's talking about, it's like, yeah, we're hawking Bud Light at the Super Bowl halftime now. So yes, that, it, game- that was a logical progression <laughs> to me. Yeah, Game of Thrones is definitely uh canceled after this point because like it really is uncool. Like this is, you know, something you expect from something extremely cheesy i remember when people first started talking about game of thrones they were like oh this is so like dark and cool and different and groundbreaking and now it's just it has it's gone from like nerd culture to the culture over these um past few years and it's awful now and but more people like it than ever it's uh really uh a terrible thing that you know nerds always used to wish that more and more people would get into the stuff they were into well they got their wish and all it did was give them crappier and crappier stuff to like more and more bad it's kind of a monkey's paw kind of a situation some nerd in 1987 said i wish that all the comic books and old fantasy novels and stuff that i like could become pop culture and then it's (laughs) the same guys now is like oh no what have i done and you know this particular commercial does like show something that I, one of the things I really hate about Game of Thrones, which I think is, you know, orig, original sin um, to the actual novels themselves. It's like, you know, you have this jousting tournament, you have the cool but light knight. Okay, I guess he's cool and the cool but light king. And they both just get murked for no reason with no real fanfare. And this is something you actually see in Game of Thrones all the time. And it's just like... It, it it's shocking storytelling, but it's not really good storytelling and not satisfying because as every pro wrestling fan knows, yeah, you can, the good guys have to lose most of the time, but you have to give them some host spots. If you build up a really good, good guy, you can bring him to a low point, but you can't just like get rid of him without a satisfying payoff of his ambitions and dreams. Like the Ned Stark thing, that was shock, genuinely yeah. shocking and, pro- and a pretty good move. But then they just kept doing it. They kept building up these characters uh, and then just killing them off with no real payoff. And now they're at a point where like there can be no real payoff for most of the drama that happened in the show because all of the people are dead. Yeah, well, and that's also the feeling of like, oh, anyone can die at any time. Uh, that's all that's completely gone away now because now you have a character like Jon Snow or whoever, and you just know watching each episode that nothing, that he's not going to die. And uh, all that kind of like drama and mystery has kind of been taken out, taken away. And that's, yeah, just part of a general trend of, uh, that it's gone on from season one to, to now. And, uh, yeah, in terms of like the Bud Light King, maybe they were just being punished for their, their transgressions against the, the good people in the, American corn industry. <laughs> oh yes, because they they were really upset with Bud Light for their their anti corn syrup propaganda. The libtards getting involved in the Super Bowl halftime show again, and the and the beer commercials, shoving their like propaganda about about the good people in America's the corn farmers. Right down the throats of every every good hard hardworking person. So watching. funny the Absolutely reaction. Absolutely disgusting. So <laughs> funny the reaction to that. Like you, like Jesus Christ. Like it, it really is. It's cliche now to say that you know all the right wingers are snowflakes and easily triggered too. But it is true. It's, it's very true. Yeah. Like this is a commercial where Bud Light was trying to hype up the fact that they don't you know put a bunch of high fructose corn syrup in their beer for no fucking reason and like people got mad about it. it's like that's an attack that's a direct attack <laughs> on the bravest men in this country besides the troops <laughs> which are the corn farmers or uh i would say the people who own 
corn farms that you know are mass mass produced and you know they won't none of the workers there actually own uh shit but yeah those are the bravest men like come the fuck on like it, it it's so but it is kind of telling that Bud Light didn't see this coming like they were going for a specific demographic of I guess very health conscious people who drink Bud Light <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> who are these people? Yeah. Uh, wow, brewed with no corn syrup. I guess that's supposed to be. I guess they're supposed to be. I don't know. I guess maybe they're they're going for like any of like the any of the per, the person in the relationship who does the shopping and is conscientious about these things. The person who doesn't do the shopping is just going to come home and with a bunch of Bud Light now and Coors, and they're going to be told, "No, this one's better for you, honey." Like, yeah. I, 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 Instead, they should have just gone with like organic Bud Light. Yeah, change the name. <laughs> but that farm would, fresh organic Bud Light. That would have gotten dragged too by like a lot of the same people. But yeah. no, it was really funny though. Like my friend uh, Jared Holt from Right Wing Watch did a kind of like poll before the the game about what conservatives were going to lose their minds over, and that I was definitely very shocked by that. I assumed there was going to be like a Gillette. There, like Gillette was going to double down and do an ad about something, or there was going to be a Kaepernick Nike ad, and that would be the thing that would that would get all these people upset and like burning their their possessions. Uh, but then it ended up being this corn this corn syrup thing, and just these guys like dumping their Bud Light down the sink and stuff. <laughs> I didn't really did not see that coming. That's funny. That's funny as hell. Um, but we didn't talk about the Gillette commercial was actually supposed to be a. Super- a Super Bowl commercial, what they're doing now with Super Bowl commercials is putting them out like weeks ahead and like okay, deciding yeah. whether to like pay for it or not. So there actually was called a Super Bowl commercial that was supposed to be one. Oh, yeah. Um, but and I, they were like, you know what, we're gonna go ahead and uh take a step back from this one. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I do want to say, like, uh, a lot of people. I, I I hate how well it played everybody. Like it yeah. got a bunch. You got all the conservatives mad, obviously, and got them to be their worst, most misogynistic selves. Then, and it got a lot of people on the left, a lot of smart people on the left, to defend the brand that like put asbestos in baby powder for yeah. <laughs> thirty years, knowingly. Um, so I, I do want to take a second to say, like, the commercial is awful if you thought it was a good commercial and it's not awful because of any political reasons it's awful because it's cloying it's like cheesy it's sentimental and it's a fucking commercial and commercials can't be that yeah it's a fucking it's a brand like who who cares like don't pray don't like a good rule of thumb i think is like just don't signal boost brands don't like commend don't like you know commend them just you know, it's a fucking commercial, yeah. And uh, the idea that again, it's it's it goes back to the whole consumerism thing of like, oh, I'm a, I can show that I'm a good person because I use the woke razor brand and I go to the woke movies and it's all just about buying products and like you shouldn't reward brands for trying to like cash in on these kind of things. Yeah, ca- the same way that you, the same way that I hate when people like the, how brands are doing that kind of like weird Twitter thing. And people are like, oh, oh sharing yeah. the brand tweets. I'm like, don't don't share <laughs> brand tweets. Are you fucking kidding me? I, mean, I, just, I can't stand that. Yeah, I do not actually think it's uh, woke to capitalize on, you know, Terry Crews' real sexual assault to sell razors. They put a clip of a sexual assault victim talking about his sexual assault in their razor fucking commercial. I don't think that's a really like good thing to do besides it being aesthetically just awful awful and if you you don't have taste if you actually like this sort of thing i'm sorry to say and but and that besides the politics and like when just because the right wing it triggers the right does not mean you should defend it because a lot of things will things will trigger them that are yeah still awful in their own right and it, it is kind of an important thing because part of the reason why we started the show is that we the left really needs to like get hip to this right because if all if like for example these people are not our friends yeah they're not our friends and we're not giving an outlet to people who see something like this and are naturally repulsed by it because they know that these brands are bad and they shouldn't be lecturing morality to them right like there needs to be an outlet where 
leftists are saying like, oh, all this stuff you hate is bad too, because otherwise they go on YouTube and it's just a bunch of fascists telling them this. And like, I want to have an outlet where, you know, like, because if you dislike The Last Jedi, for example, and you go on YouTube to, you know, kind of suss out why, right? Like, it's going to be nothing but right-wingers saying this stuff. And some of them are pretty good at hiding their agenda, but they're yeah. all over. If you want to watch a video that says The Last Jedi is bad, you're 99% chance you're going to get, you know, linked to some fucking right-winger. And we need leftists saying, hey— the last Jedi is bad, and you also don't have to hate women or be racist to think that. Like yeah. I think that's a, I think that's an important thing to do to have these outlets where we're saying all this awful shit is awful instead of just buying into the Obama era narrative where politics and culture have merged and therefore everything cultural is political and good because Obama is good and all that shit that people are still holding on to for some fucking reason. Yeah, well that's I mean that's how people get sucked into that like consumerist culture war stuff. Uh like if they go the last Jedi is a good example because if someone goes to see that movie and says, you know what, I was excited for that, but I didn't really enjoy it for whatever reason. And then they go online to try and find, you know, did, did other people feel the same way? And if it's all, if this is like a, a liberal or a progressive or a leftist kind of leaning person, and they see that everything out there is just reactionary bullshit about these, like, these people that ranting, going fucking crazy about SJWs or whatever, they go, okay, well, I don't agree with any of that. So maybe I'm wrong. And no, I'm going to defend it now, actually, because yes. like it, that, that's going to, sh- you know, that's, I don't agree with these, like these reactionaries talking about it. Because that's, so that's the kind I of person good, I, I think am. it is important to have that outlet. I'm the type of person who says that the commercial is good, even though it's fucking bad. Um, yeah. Had a lot of that going on. So I, I, I really do think like commercials like that do a net negative to the world. It riles up all the right wingers and make, makes all the left like much uh much less smart it's those are brain poison of the brain poison of the highest order for, to the Gillette commercial yeah and the the CEOs and the executives uh sitting on the boards of these companies like Gillette or Pepsi or or Disney or whatever again they're not our friends they're the fucking vampires that we're supposed to be kind of uh we're going to have to be trying to take down in the next uh, decade or so if we want to like this planet to survive. Yeah. Uh, so we shouldn't just, we like, you, you know, you can like whatever you like. I don't, you know, people like those, like the Marvel movies or like Disney movies or like the Star Wars movies. That's totally fine, obviously. But the idea that like, uh, our, your political persuasions are getting caught up in all this, uh, I think is inherently bad. Yeah. And we all have to kind of be on the same page that like, uh, these brands, uh, are not our friends and we shouldn't be praising them for taking political positions on stuff because ultimately they're they're bad it's just too bad they didn't put up the put out the pepsi commercial this year because if they did people would have fucking loved it <laughs> yeah yeah all right there was this pepsi commercial yesterday though and the thing with uh with steve i get that was another thing that right wingers are mad about actually because not even that it was political but just that cardi b was in it oh <laughs> so there <laughs> So, I mean, it didn't even say anything political, but Cardi B showed up. So the people were like, I will never drink Pepsi again. <laughs> Are you getting really mad about that? It's funny. All right. So next, probably the one that would, I think if Jack or JDB here, they would be the most upset about the Stella Artois uh, commercial yeah. where they brought back Carrie from Sex in the City and the dude <laughs> from yeah. the Big Lebowski um in character jeff bridges and uh what's her just sarah jessica parker in character drinking stella artois and the point in the commercial is everybody is shocked that they're drinking fucking stella artois because they have you know actual drinks that they are known drinks drinks that they're known for and they're just like drinking this like slightly less shitty um beer yeah, it was depressing for me, I think. Like, you know, because it's playing on that sense of nostalgia. And I am one of these, like, obnoxious Big, Big Lebowski guys. Uh, I love the Big Lebowski. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite Coen Brothers movie, but it's definitely up there. And, I've you know, I've seen it however many dozens of times. So it does – I can feel it playing on that nostalgia chord. And there, there's a part of me that just likes seeing Jeff Bridges in the in the clothes and the doing that character again. But just when you see it, it's when it's served like so self-serving and uh, just to feed into this consumerist culture shit, 
you know, it makes me feel bad for for liking it. It's uh, just I don't I wasn't into it. It's, the novelty was kind of interesting, but it's ultimately it's it's uh, not something that I really want to see. And it was funny because because Jeff Bridges like posted a picture on Twitter, I think, a few weeks ago with the dude costume, and everyone's kind of speculating, "Oh, is there going to be a new Lebowski?" And it's like, no, he's just shilling beer at the Super Bowl halftime. Like, is there anything more more sad than that? It is really sad. It's less sad for I think for Sarah Jessica Parker because I think the movies already sold out sex in the city like as much as possible where they like go to dubai and shit like that yeah those are already like pretty bad and like awful and i think maybe sex in the city fans can take this a little bit easier than big lebowski fans but i i was never I'm ne- i've never been a big a huge lebowski fan uh really i don't actually think i've ever watched the movie all the way through i've just seen i just saw it in pieces when it was playing on comedy central for like two years straight while i was in college uh so I, that's yeah most- and it's kind of one of those movies that the people that really really like it have become kind of obnoxious about it and that makes you kind of have an opinion about it before you before you've ever seen it yeah uh, it's kind of one of those things but it, it does seem like an interesting movie but I, I just it makes me wonder like don't you know, don't they both have enough money? Don't Jeff Bridges and Sarah Jessica Barr have enough money that they don't have to sell out their most popular characters for a beer, beer commercials? Like, it's really... Well, that's what I don't get either. And it was the same thing with that Pepsi commercial I was talking about with Cardi B, because Steve Carell is in that. And Steve Carell is a guy that's like, you know, I guess it's nice to get a bunch, a couple million bucks to do a, a, a day's work or whatever. But, like, this is a guy that, like, kind of really worked to... Uh, you know, change his image and is this like, kind of serious actor and move past the wacky comedy and stuff. And he's in kind of Oscar nominated movies and he's doing that kind of stuff. And it's just like now, just like here, here, America, like swill down some, some nice Pepsi. Yeah. This is what you like. I just don't, yeah, I, I don't get, I, I understand this that it's is what nice you want from me. This is what you like. Fucking <laughs> yeah. take it. I, I, yeah. I don't know. It seems, it seems like it would be depressing when I think about, uh, any of these actors, these big actors, I think Jason Bateman was in another Super Bowl ad. And it's like, these people are all rich. Like, they're doing fine. So I don't see creatively what they're getting out of doing this kind of stuff. Uh, it's just, you know, it's sad. It's, it's, it's you, sad. you hate to see it. It's like, you hate to see it. Like, all the commercials that we would hear about from Japan where, like, real celebrities would be in them. Like, don't, we get those now. We get those now in the yeah. U.S. And it's just, it's, it, like, I do... You know, maybe celebrity worship is like, you know, kind of a bad thing, but I don't really like what the internet has turned it into. Like it's turned it into, is like, it feels like it's just as intense for different reasons, but now the cele- none of the celebrities are cool anymore. Like all of them are like either on YouTube channels, eating hot wings or in these goofy commercials and they still have like fandoms around them, but it's just like, it's not fun to follow any of this stuff because all these people are just like dorks and losers and desperate for money. Yeah. And, and on, a, on a larger level too, it's just, you see like what's happening to the world politically and the kind of like uh, the real calamitous, like environmental cataclysm that we're kind of facing down, like really, really, uh, really soon. And you just get the sense you start, like it just becomes impossible to enjoy anything like that. And uh, you kind of get the sense that, we're just kind of like being fed intravenously this like steady diet of like uh, media shit that's getting us to kind of passively just kind of accept what's about to happen to us. And um, that's, that's been something for me, I think in the last couple of years, just seeing the kind of sinister side of all this and how it's really like uh, we're kind of, we're kind of just like chugging away as if nothing's wrong. Um, but uh, there's kind of a dark side to that, that we're kind of all ignoring I think that's part of it. Yeah, because it's all, and so much of it is about like near term nostalgia. The Stella Artois commercial. The, yeah, the, the, that's, it, it, that's it. The NFL game where they had, you know, like Deion Sanders like running around and playing, the, and Joe Montana, like all this nostalgia for stuff that isn't even that old at this point. Um, it's just, it says something. I, I, I don't know exactly what it says what it says about the culture but it's really fucking like dark it's like uh, it's like the matrix how they get you know they grind up the dead and and feed them intravenously to the living and that's how i feel like we are sometimes it's like they're taking all our our culture and the and the past things that people enjoyed 
and comic books and Star Wars movies. And it feels like and, the cycle you know, is just getting from, shorter now. Yeah, exactly. Movies from 20 years ago. And then it's going to be movies from, you know, we're going to be remaking like The Purge or whatever, <laughs> or movies that just came out. Uh, and it's just, it's all there to like, here, you, this is what you people like. It's like, it's like fucking, we're at this, the, the feeder pellet or the Skinner box or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, give me more, uh, more Big Lebowski, more, more Star Wars, more, more Marvel movies. More Andy Warhol. Yeah. The Burger yeah, King commercial that's not really, wasn't meant to be a commercial. It was um, part of a documentary. I think a lot of people, I watched it at first. I thought it was like some kind of deep fake or some shit like that. But yeah. no, it's just footage of uh, Andy Warhol uh, eating a um, burger. And I don't know what to say about this because it, it, it's like it's from a documentary um, where they just had Andy Warhol like do like regular stuff. Uh, had different people do regular stuff and Andy Warhol eats a burger and, that, and it took them Burger King about, you know, 30, 40 years to finally be able to turn a commercial. And <laughs> they did it. I, I, I guess this wouldn't I don't think this would be offensive to and the Warhol, a lot of this shit would uh, be offensive to a lot of the dead celebrities they put in it. But I think this one is like an exception. I think he, would, I don't know, maybe could be kind of into it. I mean, he did actually do it. Yeah, I mean, a part of a lot of his work, not that I'm a fucking art expert or anything, but was kind of about exploring the consumer culture and the, the dark sides to that. So yeah, maybe he might get a kick out of the being a part of that kind of tapestry, uh, cultural tapestry in 2019 as we're like careening towards... Uh, just pure disaster. Uh, he might get a kick out of that. But I do, I do want to say, like, I, I people were saying that Andy Warhol was actually a McDonald's man, not a Burger King man. And you know, Uh-oh. this is a this is old stuff. This is vintage stuff. This, like, I don't see a ton of mayonnaise slathered on that on that Whopper, which is what they do nowadays uh, to get you to yeah. ingest it. There's not even sesame seeds on it. They, they have sesame seeds on Whoppers, right? Now it looked. I th- I think so. Yeah, it did look like a pretty spare swapper from what I saw. Yeah. So uh, so this is a false advertising, actually. If we're if we're going to drag it, um, and they're not as big anymore. I don't think you have to you have you have to get a double whopper to get that much um, processed meat on your sandwich. I did notice that Warhol was a, a dip the burger in ketchup. Man, I thought that was an interesting technique, though. I'd never seen that before. Yeah, you don't want like if you try to spread it right, like that takes time. That's messy, and you gotta get the right spread all over it. And then you're not really getting it on the outside of the bun, where it probably takes where any sauce tastes the best. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I thought that was. I might try that it's out. It's a good technique, and that's why struggle session was brought to you <laughs> by Burger King, home of the flame broiled Whopper and Heinz ketchup, part of the Heinz yeah, both family. Of those things. You know. <laughs> Eat ketchup like yeah, you yeah, can. You have 57 flavors of uh, leftist political uh, beliefs that you can now choose from. I don't know. And dip your uh, <laughs> bur- Whopper in. Yeah, you dip your... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what the fuck else was going on? Like, so the commercials... Well, there was that, 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 that Twitter drama played out. Yeah, so more people were into the shit that was going on on Twitter than they were the actual Super Bowl, I feel. I don't have the numbers on this, but I feel like more people were watching Demi Lovato get her ass <laughs> dragged off of Twitter for uh, stepping in the wrong lane than they were the actual game. Um, this was really funny. I went on to talk about this a lot, but so 21 Savage got arrested by ICE because uh, apparently he is a British citizen. According to ICE, he's a British citizen. And so yeah. they actually put out this weird statement like like questioning his credibility as like a rapper. <laughs> they actually said like his whole backstory is a lie and then all this shit. Like, <laughs> like a little bit too far, but it is fucking ice, the fucking uh, brown shirts, pieces of shit. Yeah, they're really leaning into the whole uh, comic book villain thing, aren't they? Yeah, so they arrested him, and of course, Black Twitter was kind of having a field day, making not jokes about his arrest, but like the fact that he might be British. They were posting memes about, like, when he talks about I got shooters in red uh, coming to get you. They said it was like they posted pictures of like the red coats um, <laughs> saying that this is how they one picture they they posted and said this is this is how 21 Savage be writing his lyrics. And it's like a hand with a quill uh, <laughs> and <laughs> that sort of thing. And Demi Lovato made the mistake, um, which I want to advise all the struggle session of listeners do not make this mistake of jumping in black twitter and reposting the memes without being black 
and mm. her ass got lit the fuck up for oh, that. I didn't see that one. Yeah. Um. So she basically re. Po- was reposting and stuff like oh this is so funny all these memes about 21 savage which you know one of you know 21 savages uh, crew was actually saying wow this is really kind of s- fucked up that you would you know kind of joke about this because when you were growing through your shit we were actually we actually talked about uh i actually talked with 21 about this and we were hoping you would get through it so it was kind of fucked up for you to do it and also like she doesn't really have the cred and people were kind of looking for someone to be mad about, <laughs> mad at yeah. for this whole thing. And they can't just yell at ice. So they basically just started dragging Demi Lovato for her well-known um, situation with um, drug addiction. And she did not like that shit whatsoever. Um <laughs> It wasn't really cool to drag people for drug addiction, but if you get online and you jump in, you know, the piranha pit that is black Twitter, you better be prepared um, for what's going to come at you. And she ended up. So part of, so part of it was like black Twitter appropriation, but was there an also an element of like, you're making light of ice, a you terrible do. organization deporting people. I so mean, was there any of that as well? I mean, or? because I mean, people were saying that, but like, so were all the black Twitter people when they were joking initially. They weren't really trying to make light of it, and I don't think Demi was trying to make light light of it. But it's not a good like when she when you have when you are a celebrity and have a big cow- account and you are actually like know some of these people. It might not be. It's not really a yeah. good look to yeah, publicly sure. laugh. At the memes yeah. about your co-workers' <laughs> yeah. deportation. Like, it's not... Yeah, that, that makes sense. It, it, yeah. It's not, you know, a thing. Uh, but, yeah, she made a mistake. And she ended up deactivating her Twitter. And then it became, like, a victim narrative. Like, oh, everybody yeah, came at... The, the mob. It, the, mo- the Twitter mob came at, you know, this innocent white woman who did nothing wrong. <laughs> and it was like, it's just, you know, she knew... She should have known better what she was doing. And this is why... I, what we were talking about earlier in the episode, celebs shouldn't be in fucking, you know, Stella Artois commercials. Real celebs shouldn't be like posting like their random thoughts at any given time on Twitter and Instagram. Like, like you got a ton of money. Like, don't you have something better to do other than get your ass dragged? I, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, we've all got broken online brain. That's the problem. Even the fucking president. It's all, it's all of us. This, I mean, they should, all these people should know better. Yes. It's like, but all their brains are broken just in the same way as ours are. The, so. the world is run by a generation of posters. Like even yeah, Ronda Rousey, she was a poster back in yep. the day, right? Like, yeah. like, like the person, if she was born 10 years ago, she would have beat the shit out of anybody who knew how a computer worked if they met her, if she met them. But she grew up just the right time to be a, an extremely online poster. And she's like, what? what she the mod of like a pokemon message board or some shit like that <laughs> yeah so. i did not know that yeah 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 it's, it's legit it's really funny we're gonna have a, eventually we'll have a president that was the mod of a pokemon uh message board yeah if we if we keep having presidents that will be eventuality um yeah, yeah hopefully not I mean, hopefully the president thing will stop soon enough. Hopefully the world ends, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Like a lot of people are, you've been talking on this episode about like the world ending as like it's a bad thing. I'm like, I don't see it getting better. Like I don't see humans turning the corner. Like I don't know, like so much stuff I see online. It led me to a new word for what might be my political leaning. And that's extinctionist. The idea (laughs) that human extinction would actually be a net good for um planet earth i'm kind of open to it after seeing like this is all we've done with it um fucking the yeah. dude selling stella artois i mean i i'm i like to have hope that we can kind of transition into something into a different kind of society that's more fair and that's that's less based on these kind of things but i think no one should have any illusions that that kind of transition is going to come uh because we ask nicely about it or because you watched um, uh Handmaid's tale no, exactly. It's going to come from from really probably from cataclysm and from uh, from chaos, and uh, that's that's kind of just like an inevitability of the future of like the probably the next five ten years. All right, uh, and stuff that we're going to have to see. But uh, that that's kind of a for another time. And like you said, the the transition to a better society is not just going to be oh it's uh, it's the same thing, but now you know you drink Pepsi to show that you're you know, a good person and that you care about other human beings and stuff. Yeah. Rob, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on twitter.com at Rob Rousseau. 
you can also listen to my podcast. It's called 49th Parahel, kind of like a, a Canadian-American p- politics thing. It's very I good. Find... I definitely recommend everyone checking it out. And subscribe to their Patreon so they can start doing some bonus episodes. Yes, please. That would, that would be great. And I know you guys are the big shot... Uh, the big shots on Patreon uh, this yeah, month. Yeah, well, so. you know, we had we had a little growth. We had a little growth spurt there. You know, we, that's good. Well, I, well hopefully we can that can get some trickle down effect. Uh, that's not there. how it works, Rob. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 All right, have a good one, everyone. Peace. Uh, take care. Bye bye. Like what you hear, want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.